You know, when you have your own podcast and a Medal of Honor winner wants to come onto your show and talk about resilience and self-awareness, well, you tend to want to listen. Today's episode is fantastic. Stay with us. We have Dakota Meyer with us today on The Squad Room. You are a warrior. You are the very best your nation has to offer. They're asking you to lead. We need a bearcat. It's up to us. So 133, I need somebody that's got a visual of where the shooter is. You must be sound in mind, body, and spirit. Where's the officer down? I have a rescue helicopter that wants to land and help. This is the podcast that will make you the one. Copy running eastbound. The one that will bring everyone back. Probably we have shot fired, shot fired. Give me back up now. Because no one else is coming. We're going to have an officer shot, an officer shot, 100 block of East Street. Suspect is down, suspect is down. This is The Squad Room. Hello everyone and welcome to The Squad Room Podcast, where we learn how to serve, strive, and succeed in our challenging career. My name is Garrett Tesla and I'm an active duty sergeant for a sheriff's office in Southern California, And I'm on a mission to build a world where first responders wake up inspired, feel confident at work, and go home knowing they've spent their time in a worthy cause. We have a great episode today, a great one. But before we get to our guest, I want to remind you that you can support the show and rock some cool gear by visiting our apparel line at aworthycauselife.com. You can also check us out on Instagram at aworthycauselife or on Facebook. There are a couple of other ways you can stay connected with the podcast and make sure that you're getting as much value out of these episodes as possible. First off, like our Facebook page and join our Facebook group for active and aspiring law enforcement professionals. Just search The Squad Room Group on Facebook to join. Also, follow us on Instagram at The Squad Room to stay up to date on guests and new podcast releases and Instagram lives and some other material that we put out solely and exclusively on Instagram. All right, my guest for this episode is none other than Medal of Honor recipient Dakota Meyer. Many of you know about Dakota in the Battle of Ganjagal, and you've probably heard him on other podcasts like the Jocko Podcast, Joe Rogan, Team Never Quit, Mike Drop, and many, many others, in addition to his own show, Front Toward the Enemy, previously known as Own the Dash. Dakota is an entrepreneur and owner of Flipside Canvas, and on the day we talked, he was two days away from starting his shift, his first shift, as a full-time firefighter for his community in Texas. In fact, on the day we recorded this episode, he was a volunteer firefighter and on duty that day, and we had to abruptly end the interview because he got toned out. It's probably my favorite way that I've ever ended an episode, ever. Dakota deployed to Fallujah, Iraq in 2007 as a scout sniper, but it was during his second tour in Iraq in the Kunar province where he would engage in the battle that would eventually earn him the Medal of Honor for the actions he took when he was just 21 years old. Dakota is as humble and down-to-earth a leader who cares about his community as you'll ever find, and he cares about first responders, and he's known for holding no punches either, especially when it comes to reviewing his own actions and beliefs. But in return, he really challenges you to, the, to, he really challenges you to do the same, and he does that in this episode as well. A great example of this was when President Obama called Dakota to let him know that he had been selected for the Medal of Honor. Dakota told him to call back at lunchtime because he was at a job site and didn't want to get docked the pay for stepping off the job. When they finally did connect, Dakota accepted the nomination for the medal, 
but on the condition that he and Obama share a beer before the ceremony, which Obama graciously accepted. That takes some guts to ask a sitting president to have a beer first. I say this often, but this is actually truly one of my favorite episodes. I say that because it's true. I come away from each of these episodes with some actionable ideas about how to improve, and Dakota absolutely delivers in this episode. I can't wait to have him back on to finish what we started, and it was a great conversation. So please enjoy this conversation with Medal of Honor recipient Dakota Meyer. This episode is sponsored by Signature Coins. For months now, I've been looking for a way to say thank you to my guests and supporters. And after being involved in a major international incident recently, I was given quite a few challenge coins. And I was surprised at how much each of those meant to me. So I decided to make a squad room challenge coin to share with guests and supporters. I went searching for a company who could meet my high standards, but I was still nervous about making a purchase like this online. Most challenge coins you order these days are ordered online, produced in a factory far, far away, and tracking down someone in customer service can be, well, a challenge. And I'll admit that I'm kind of old school, and I prefer to look someone in the eye when I'm about to spend that much money. So I delayed on a decision on a vendor for a long time, until I found Signature Coins out of Florida. Turns out, some of the guys at Signature Coins actually listened to the show, and when I contacted them, we connected immediately on our shared purpose of honoring this profession that I love so much. Daniel, Trey, Jeff, and all the other guys at Signature immediately put me at ease with making such a big purchase, and they bent over backwards to make sure that the coin I wanted that was in my head came out as a reality that I'm now holding in my hand. Now, if you're like me and you haven't drawn anything since it involved a crayon, have no fear. Signature Coins has 30 graphic artists on staff right in their Orlando office to help, and they don't charge a single penny to get your artwork ready for production. That is a big difference from other companies that often charge an artwork fee, or maybe you have to hire an outside designer. Signature Coins does all the art for free with no obligation to buy. They also have inclusive pricing, meaning that you're not going to get hit with a hidden upcharge at checkout, a 100% guarantee on their craftsmanship, and free next day shipping in the U.S., and their customer service team is right there in Orlando. Their turnaround is quick, about two weeks, which is super fast for coins, and like I said, free next day shipping when your coins are ready to go out the door. I couldn't be happier with my coins, and I couldn't be happier that I got them from Signature Coins. If you're looking to make a challenge coin of your own, you can find out more about them at SignatureCoins.com or email info at SignatureCoins.com, and Jeff will hook you up with a quote. If you use the coupon code the Squad Room, you'll get $50 off your first order. Learn more at SignatureCoins.com. Dakota, welcome to the Squad Room. Thank you for being here, man. Uh, thank you for having me. This is a, I don't want to overstate this, but this is a huge honor for me to be able to talk to you. I've followed you for a long time and completely inspired by not only your story, but your authenticity and um, your vulnerability, your willingness to be vulnerable and open. And I think that as a result of that, you are really a leader in communities like mine that you aren't even directly a part of. And so it's really inspiring to me to see someone like that and then to be able to get to talk to you. So, so thank you for your time. Um, oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. Mm, no, it's, it, it truly is my honor. So I wanted to, to focus this conversation because, you know, you, you've been on other podcasts, very, very high level podcasts like Rogan and Jocko and others. And I don't want to rehash 
those same points because they're powerful and, and impactful in those, in those conversations. And I'll link in the show notes to those because I don't think I could do those justice. But in thinking about what I wanted to talk about today, I really was, you know, thinking about the stories you've told, reading about you and doing some research and just, you know, with everything going on right now with policing and with the, the issues around COVID and the issues around uh, racial injustice in policing and you could even say perceived racial injustice in policing or the changes that are going to happen in policing as a result of what happened in Minneapolis and then what has happened elsewhere. I just find so many cops right now, if you go on social media, they're angry and I get it. They're ang I understand that they're angry because they feel like they're being mistreated, but they're also angry that things are changing, you know, and um, you know, cops hate two things, change in the way things are. <laughs> and, yeah. and so, but I see so much negativity and so much reluctance to accept the fact that we are in a moment where things are changing. And yeah. I just see throughout your life where you had huge moments where your life changed and you were forced good or bad. You were forced to accept the reality that was in front of you. So I want to focus on these moments in your life where you had to accept reality. And I want to know what you did. I want to know, yeah. like, what were the, what were your turning points that kept you out of the gutter? And, and I know that based on your past stories and there were times you drove into the gutter, right? But, yeah. but, but you got yeah. yourself out. So I want to, that's how I want to approach this. And I want to start with conjugal, you know, yeah. and, and in that moment, the, the moment that led to the medal of honor and accepting to me, you know, there's, there's the acceptance, acceptance that, and the expectation that you were going to die going into what you did, you know, what you were about to do, but then in the aftermath of that, and I was hoping we could talk about how the, the moments, if you remember, what was it like accepting that and, and maybe give a bit of the backstory so people understand what we're talking about here. Yeah. I mean, you know, look, I, I lost my whole team in, uh, in a battle in uh, Afghanistan, Ganjgal Valley, uh, Afghanistan, September 8, 2009. Uh, you know, I going in there, the mission was supposed to be going in, to just have basically dinner, like the lunch, uh, go in and have a, uh, a meal and, and then, you know, sit down and break bread with them and figure out what they needed, what we could do to help them make them better. Right. Uh, and it turned into, you know, by far the worst day of my life, uh, resulting in, you know, everything else, you know, I, this is life, right? And uh, this is, I think this is why we got to go back and, and, and you're going to see this consistent piece throughout everything you're going to ask me here. And in everything you just mentioned, it goes back to the basics, right? Um, you're right. I see a lot of people who are upset about racial injustice. Well, you know what? With the, the George Floyd thing and the Ahmaud Avery thing, they fucking every right to be. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, but they have every right to be. But here's the problem. We as Americans also, we as police created, or not me as police, but police created this. Um, uh, you know, every, uh, the, you know, you talk about white privilege created this or whatever you want to call it, the white demographic, whatever demographic, all of them create this. And I'm going to tell you why by one thing, one thing, and it's all equal throughout all the ranks is 
we started putting people's feelings and what they needed to hear uh, below what people wanted to hear and being soft with them. We stopped holding each other accountable. Cops stopped holding each other accountable. They couldn't go in and say, hey, you're fucking fat. You're not training. You're a piece of shit. I don't trust you to show up. You're going to get fired now, right? So now that's where you get shitty, cocky cops out there who do this, right? Same thing on, on us. Like we, we have stopped in the military. You talk about veterans. All veterans are now considered heroes. Uh, no, no. They're not all heroes, right? They're not all fucking heroes. They serve their country, right? Uh, I'm not a hero. The, the, the ones that are only heroes are the ones that didn't make it home, right? The, we, we should be treated no different than anyone else. It's, it's all around. We have categorized everybody. Instead of setting the standard and, and, and ensuring that everybody's held to that fucking standard, right? So I, you go back to your initial question is, 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 uh, you know, how, how do I deal with it? You know, at the point that I figured out that, that I got to go back to the basics, no matter what, instead of worrying about trying to control what's going to be thrown at me and trying to train, like, like you have to change your mindset. Like I used to train to try to be able to be good enough to be able to control all the situations. So, you know, you hear so often, well, don't get yourself in that situation, right? Like, sure. like, like train to where you don't put yourself in that position. And I changed my mindset to, you know, after Ganjagal, Ganjagal is what, what really showed me that I have no control of anything. I don't care how hard you train. You cannot, you cannot train hard enough to control the circumstances that are going to be thrown at you. But what you can train hard enough to be is to be prepared for whatever is thrown at you. And that's where it comes back to it, right? This holistic training of, of pushing yourself mentally, right? Not just getting strong in one way, but how often are you letting yourself lose? Not letting yourself lose, but, but you know, you talk about people who train, and I'm, I'm sure you're going you're gonna to be able to hit on this, is, is how often do we, do we set scenarios up because we're afraid to fail, right? We, we don't want to, like, like, we train to get it right. If you're not training in every evolution that you're training in, whether it's physically training, whether it's, whether it's mentally training, whether it's, whether it's going out and shooting, whether it's scenario-based training, it doesn't matter. If you're not training to the point of where in every scenario at some point you fail, well, you didn't set that. You, you are gaming the game and you're not training to the level you need to be training to. You're not getting better. One of the things I got this from a, a former cop who's now a, a uh, a researcher and psychologist, but this idea of a preoccupation with failure. And his, this is David Klinger, Dr. David Klinger. And his premise is there are really three outcomes in a situation. You either won, you lost, or you got lucky. And if you evaluate anything you've done through that lens, you really realize how often, especially in policing, you know, how many times we got lucky versus how many times we won. And we often mistake winning for just getting lucky. You know, good, like if you do a car stop and you walk up on a car stop and, you know, nothing comes of it. There's no violent encounter. Well, is that because we got lucky because the guy decided not to pull the gun from under the seat? Or was yeah. it good because we used good tactics in our approach and we got, we got up on, we uh, got one over on them and in and, and using good tactics, right? You got lucky. You got lucky. Right. So it's, it's kind of like there what you're saying too. If, you, if we can be preoccupied with our, our failures and then be willing to fail, I think also is what you're saying, like, put yourself in situations where you're going to fail because that's where you'll learn, right? We, we don't, 
we just do rote training over and over again. We're never going to learn something new. We're never going to have our, uh, our ego bruised enough to be willing to push ourselves into something deeper. Well, and then the other part, I mean, you look at that cop up there with George Floyd, you can tell that dude ain't had his ass beat in a long time. <laughs> right. I mean, I mean, I mean, and look, and I've been pulled over. I mean, look, I, look, I love cops. I love cops. Look, you know, I, I you know, like 99% of cops are great, but the problem is, is the 1% that sucks are the ones that are out there representing the 99% that are great. And we know, I mean, I'll tell you right now, between me and you, even me, a cop pulls me over the first thing, I'm scared to death. I mean, I'm not saying I'm scared to death, but I'm like, if the cop tells me to get out and he tells me to put my left hand out, my left hand in, put my right foot out, my right foot out, I'll be doing the fucking hokey pokey, right? Because I know damn well that that cop is not trained enough. 99% of them aren't, not, not 99% of them, but there's a lot of them who aren't trained enough and are probably more scared than I am. Mm-hmm. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, like I, I'll tell you, I don't carry. Like, most of the time, I don't carry on me, because if I get pulled over and I tell a cop out there, especially at night, especially at night in the dark, and I say, "Hey, yeah, I've got. I just need to tell you up front, I'm a concealed carry license holder. I've got a weapon in the in the in the in, in my console. I don't know what that fucker's going to do to me. Is he going to get me out, and put me in handcuffs? Right. You know what I mean? Like, I, I like, and he's justified whatever, but." You got, there's so much, and that comes to a lack of training. You know what I mean? It comes to the, the of, of and, and, and being humble with your job of understanding that, you know, just because you're in a position of authority, um, you know, the guys who always got their ass beat in training are the ones who are always the humblest. They can empathize, you know, and they know they're prepared, right? Mm-hmm. Um, same thing in the Marine Corps, right? Same thing with every, you know, everything we do, you know, and, and, and the reason I got this mindset was I came out of Ganjigal. And the one thing that I came out of Ganjigal was, is I think it fucked with my head for the longest time was I had never, if we had done everything right, the scenarios always went right. Like how many scenarios have you been in where you trained and even though you did your job and performed it the exact way that you were supposed to perform it and you did everything that you could within your control that you, the outcome still failed. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, maybe this isn't quite on point, but it's funny because, you know, in training, we often train and set ourselves up for success. If we're really not challenging ourselves, any training scenario you put forward is sort of biased towards success. And I'm sure I, 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 you know, a phrase taken from the military, but like no plan survives first contact. Uh, It's very much the same in any sort of policing. You know, we can train and train and train, but I don't know how many times we've trained for a high risk car stop on a highway and it just went completely sideways from the way we quote unquote do things because there's that outside actor that has a say in it too, right? They have equal say in how it goes. And if you're not, and if you're not training to that, to be able to, to go off script and make decisions, if you're not constantly challenging your mind and then also running through the scenario so many times and seeing that there are about 50 different ways to skin this cat, as they mm-hmm. say, right? Like mm-hmm. there's different ways to get at it, but, but, but being able to recognize where you're going and being able to stay focused on that piece of it and understanding and clearly keeping the objective in your head is where it's at. And so that's what's always been. I was so fortunate to go through this Ganjigal incident at, you know, 21 years old. And um, it's been truly 
the keys to everything else I've been able to get through. You know, like I always say, I'm, I'm so fortunate uh, that I, at 21 years old, got the worst day out of my life. Like I got it behind me. Like you'd be damn pressed for me to live through something, for me to live through something that, that was worse than that day. It would right. be, it'd be a hard pressed day. You know what I mean? Um, so what do I got to worry about? Right. I got that behind me at 21. Wow. So do you, are you, this is a weird question then, but are you, I don't know how else to phrase it. Are you glad that that day happened in a way? I mean, there's obviously you know, your, the I, losing of your friends. How, how, cause that's such a wonderful perspective on it, right? Like, Hey, this has happened. This is my benchmark for how bad it can be. So man. yeah, bring it. <laughs> man. Yeah, I mean, exactly. I mean, but you know, Jocko, Jocko says it best. And, and, mm. and look, Jocko is, I mean, Jocko's, I mean, he's the greatest. I mean, that's all there is to say about it. I mean, the guy is just all around a holistic as far as a father, a husband, as far as a leader, as far as a friend. Um, you don't, you don't get, there, there's, there's nobody, there's not another Jocko on, on the face of the planet. Mm. Um, and there won't be within our, our, our creation, right? Like within our, our existence. So, uh, you know, there's always, there's always good in everything that happens. Um, and, and for me, I, I probably, I'll tell you straight up, you know, facing the reality that my teammates are gone, I probably didn't face that until last year. I don't think the reality ever hit me that I would never talk to those guys again until last year. I don't think I ever, I don't think I ever faced it. Um, and then I also like, and I'm going to tell you when I, when I faced it, I'm gonna, I, I, whenever I kind of got over it, I was at a speech, I was out in uh, Vegas probably two or 3000 people and, um, doing my normal speech. And, um, and this guy, man, in the back of the room, this guy stood up and he goes, uh, you know, you can always tell those guys that they got a problem with you. You know what I mean? You can always yeah. tell them, you can read them, right? This guy stood up in the back. I was, I do a Q and a at the end of my presentation. Right. And, uh, this guy stood up in the back and he goes, Hey, uh, you know, uh, Dakota, I got a question for you. And I was like, yes, sir. And this is in front of probably, I mean, a couple thousand people. He goes, um, how does it feel to know that, you know, you're going around and, and you're making money and living off your dead teammates. Wow. And, um, you know, I looked at him and I started laughing and I go, you know what, man, it feels fucking great. And as long as I keep saying their names and making sure people hear it and the more money that I can make off their names and, and, and build the best life and live the best fucking life for me and my kids. And I go out and I make the most of every fucking day. I said, it feels great because that's exactly what every single one of them would want me to fucking do every single day is to go out and live the best life and to remember them them and to make sure that their names are said more times than, than ever and to live the best life of, with my freedom and make the most of my life ever. So you know what, man, it feels great. And you know, until we stop, like we've, man, we've gone into this romanticizing and putting negativity around, you know, it's, it's, 
it's like, it's kind of like the, we've commercialized. People have told us how we're supposed to feel. We're supposed to feel down and be miserable the rest of our lives because we watched our teammates die. Fuck, if anything, we, we should be living the best life that we could because we've seen the sacrifice and the cost of freedom. You know, you look at this, we want to walk around. I mean, you, you talk about, you know, I, it, it, there's all this. And it's like, I see all this uproar in America right now because you know what? They haven't seen suffering. They haven't seen real fucking suffering, right? Like the people who are really suffering aren't the ones out there burning the streets down. They're fucking, they're fucking spool brats is what they are. They're, 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 they're trust fund babies. They're fucking spool brats. They're, 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 they're not, they're, they're, I mean, they're not, they're not the ones who are truly suffering, who, who, who have every right to be pissed off, you know? Mm -hmm. And that's the problem with it right now. That's the problem with it. What do you think? I, you know, I'm, I was surprised to hear that you, it, it, it had taken to just last year uh, for you to accept that. And that's a great idea that you were kind of provoked into it by that. Um, what in, it was in that moment, but I imagine it must've been some sort of a process uh, that, that resulted as a, so what, what was that? Cause again, that goes back to this idea of accepting your realities I mean, and here's this event this. that happened 11 years ago now. I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you this yeah. a perfect example right Please. here. You ready? Yeah. Of, of how the world and the media and the people you surround yourself with have told you how to act. I'm going to give you an example right here, right? I, do, do you feel down on Memorial Day? No. It, it, but, but most people do. It's a day of mourning, right? It's Memorial Day, right? Like, oh, you know, just don't, don't forget that this weekend, you know, you know, before you fire your barbecues up, that, you know, there, somebody died for this. No fucking shit. No shit. Do you think that that's what all these guys want us doing? Mm. If you died, would you want anybody to be upset or sad over you? No, not, a, not in that way. Not, no, not at all. No. Would you, would you want, would you want them to, to waste one day that you, if you died for freedom, would you, would you want them to spend waste one more day that you fought for mourning you? Yeah. You know, I used to be like that though. Um, you did, you did. did, you did, I did. You did. And you know what it was? Ironically, it was a, it was a, it was my Academy classmate who's a Marine Corps vet himself who I made some comment, this is years ago, I mean, years and years and years ago, uh, made some comment very much like that. Hey, before you fire up your barbecue, you know, let's show some respect. You know, this isn't about uh, pool parties, whatever. And he was the one who was like, he said almost exactly what you said. He, this is a guy who's got three tours in Afghanistan. And we went through the police, you know, the police academy together, right? And then he got shipped yeah. out after that. And he came back and he he's lived through some gnarly stuff too. And he just like you, I feel like has every right to, to have that approach, but he doesn't. And he told, he kind of put me in check and then it really shifted my mindset on it and turned it into a day really of inspiration. It is, it is. You know what? I, I'm not saying, but you, but you know what? That should be every day. You should wake up in the morning and you should look around and you should be like, man, you know what? I get to fucking do this. I get to fucking do this. Right. Right. You get to get out of bed. 
You get to decide what you're going to do. You get to fucking do this again. You get another shot at this again. Think about that, right? And so all these people get down and they mourn and, oh, Memorial Day is a hard day for me. How many people you think you know that had somebody die on Memorial Day? Yeah. So it's now it's become a day to where the world has told us we should be sad about it. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fucking nuts, man. Like, do I get down around... September 8th, I do. You know what? Like, I do. It, it, you know, I'll never forget. I love those guys with every moral fiber of my being. Like, I would switch spots with them in a moment. That, that'll never change. It'll never change. I, I failed my guys. I failed my guys 100%. You can't argue with me with, about it. I was there. Nobody else was, right? I know the facts. And, 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 and because I know the facts, it, it's also the same fuel that makes me want to go be better, right? It's the same fuel that, 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 that I got to make up for that, right? I'm not going to go do it by finding it at the end of the bottle. I'm not going to walk around and, 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 and cry myself to sleep at night. No, I'm going to go out here and I'm going to fucking get after it every single day. Like I, I did. You, you talk, my guys are dead because of me. My guys did, were not pulled out because of me. And then I'm awarded the Medal of Honor. I'm, I'm rewarded for failing my teammates. And it's, it's, a, it's a mind fuck all around. But guess what? Like, I did, I failed. But, but I have an obligation every day that I get to get up to use that to remember what I should have done different, what I could have done different and use that to train to the next time that this is presented to me. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like not like a lot of guys I'm seeing, they get out and they use it as their fucking excuse. It's their easy, their easy go-to button. Like you you want me to show you? I always tell people, I go, I'm going to show you um, how it feels like, like, you know, if, if, you know, like it's hard to defend when somebody, you know, obviously comes at you, like, you know, you, you know how it is right now. If they look at you and they go, well, you know, all cops are bad. You're racist. Well, automatically it doesn't matter where you're at in a conversation. What do you have to go to the defense? Right. Mm -hmm. You do like, I, it doesn't matter. You could be coming at me with, with every justification and you could be right in proving it with facts. And I can look at you and say, well, you're just fucking racist. Right. Automatically on the defense. I can also look at you. And I can say, well, you don't know what it's fucking like that day. You don't know what it's like to lose all your teammates. You don't know what it's like to be in a gunfight and getting shot at and, and, and watching people die. And guess what? People are like, on the defense, right? It's fucked. It's fucked, man. You know? It's just an excuse. Do you think at some point, or if it hasn't happened yet, at some point it will where... Because like, I've heard you tell that story before about how you, you, know, you, you, how you say you failed your guys and how being awarded the medal of honor was really one of the worst days of your life in the sense yeah. that you were being rewarded for this, that what you felt was a failure. And I really related to that in a weird way, but, but stick with me for a second. But I, I related to that idea. And the mm -hmm. idea I guess of that is that we can't accept sometimes, and I think this goes for cops as much as the military, as much as a fireman, we can accept the things we've been through because it's not quote unquote enough because someone has had it worse than us, you know, and in the extreme example, someone dies. But for cops, I think a lot of times we don't accept help. We don't accept that there might be trauma. We don't accept that we did the best we could because we belittle our own contribution to it because 
it's just not quote unquote as much as someone else, right? I've never been in a shooting my entire life. I've, I've pulled my gun dozens of times, but I've never had to pull the trigger, right? Yeah. I've been in some scary situations. I've been in situations where I was convinced I was going to shoot somebody or that I was going to get shot, but none of those things transpired. Now, conversely, I have like my academy classmate or dozens of other people in my department who I look to who have had those situations and I have always compared and contrasted myself to that. Well, I didn't have to do that. Yeah, right. Well, and I mean, that, that's, go ahead. that's that, that I call that the Instagram comparison. Okay. <laughs> Explain. Right? Like, like, oh, okay. like that's, yeah. that's, that's, that's like me looking at your likes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, how many followers you got? That's bullshit. I, I, that is a, that is a bullshit mentality. Um, I mean, look, there's always somebody who's seen it worse, right? Like, there, there, it's, it's there. Um, the worst day of your life, uh, the worst day of my life is no more significant than the worst day of your life. Hmm. So like we all have to stop and that's the problem. Like it, it's, we all have to, it's not a, it's not a fucking, it's not a race. The story doesn't even matter. Like what you've gone through, like the, the details of it, or minute don't even really fucking matter. Mm. What matters is, is that we both can understand and relate to a level of suffering. And that's where we connect at. It's not the story. It's not, I mean, look, you talk about people who have like, my PTSD is no, nowhere near. I think the people on earth who have the worst PTSD is, is rape victims, right? I mean, they've like, that's worse than anything. I mean, you could ever imagine. Um, you know, but you don't have to get shot at for shit like that, right? And that's where we come in. Now, here, here's, here's, here's our superpower. Is we know, we know how it feels to hurt. We know how it feels to suffer. And the only way that that suffering is, is worth it is if you use it to be able to connect and help someone else down the road. That's what matters. So you're right. You see all these people going down this rabbit hole of drinking and they turn into assholes and they do all this. And it's simply because when you don't use that the right way, the way you're supposed to use it, it'll poison you. And I mean, and this is not something that, this is not a revelation you came out of. Like on September 9th of that year, you didn't all of a sudden have this revelation. You had to go through that no. gutter that, that, no. <laughs> No, no, I had to go through the gutter. Yeah. I mean, and you know, the story of your, your suicide attempt shortly after that, within that year or so, like I want people who may not be familiar with you to understand this is not just something you no. came out of that with and, and, and felt like, what was that? How did you navigate that? And what was the process for you to come out of that worst day of your life and finally come around so many years later to not only accepting it, but realizing and that it's the fuel for how you choose to live your life. You know why? Because I surrounded myself with guys who are fucking better than me. Awesome. You know, like I, I, I surrounded people around me who, who weren't going to compromise to my excuses, who are going to hold me to a standard that dictates that they'll accept nothing less than everything that I've got and everything that I can bring to the table every fucking time, right? Every minute, every time, uh, you, you know, like that's what it comes down to. 
you know, you start surrounding yourself with people who are bitching about it and who are, who like, if, if, if you're around people who are all the time, you're comfortable with what they say, well, you're around the wrong people, right? If you're the best person in the group, well, you're not in the right group, right? Like I surround myself with, with, with guys who, you know, they're not necessarily military. They're not necessarily, you know, like there's a lot of civilians like who have never been in a gunfight, never served. Um, but I tell you this, they tell me what I need to hear. And, 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 and as soon as somebody's not, then they do the same with me, right? We're held accountable to each other. And the day we don't show up and bring it, the day that we are not part of what we all want, you're fucking out. Like, like just because we're friends today doesn't mean we'll be friends in, 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 a, in a week, a year or whatever. Like we'll be friends as long as you're upholding the standard that I'm holding myself to. In ancient Rome, soldiers would step into battle to fight for the empire, but they also had bills to pay and family back home to support. Doesn't that sound familiar? Well, if soldiers performed well in battle, they would be paid in gold coins. If they performed with exceptional valor, they would be given an extra coin. Legend has it that this coin was often minted with the name and symbol of the legion in which they served, and that soldiers would hold on to these coins as proof of their bravery. This made their coins a prized possession. Throughout history, unique coins have been part of nearly every warrior tradition. There's a story from World War I in which an American pilot was held captive as a German POW and stripped of all of his personal identification. He escaped the POW camp but was detained by the French who thought he was a German spy. He carried with him a coin with a symbol that one of the French soldiers recognized as that of an American squadron. The coin saved his life. Challenge coins remain an important part of this warrior tradition including those in law enforcement and the other first responder professions. Signature Coins out of Orlando, Florida is my choice for challenge coins for the squad room. Their staff of artists can create and make most any design a reality, and their quality is top-notch. The people at Signature Coins are complete professionals like you, and they take their jobs seriously. Quality is their priority, and I can tell you that it shows in the squad room coins that I ordered from them. You can check out their handiwork on my Instagram at the squad room. For more information or to get a free quote with no artwork fee, check out their website at SignatureCoins.com. If you use the coupon code THESQUADROOM, you can get $50 off your first order. That's SignatureCoins.com. Now, back to the show. I think so often we don't, we don't do that, right? We, we, we vet a friendship and then... I understand it too, but life gets in the way. You got kids, you got a busy schedule and all of a sudden you're kind of surrounded by mediocrity if you, if you let it. Right. Mm -hmm. And a lot of us are really challenged in how to quote unquote level up, you know, here I'm at, I'm 42 years old. I've got two kids, you know, I've, I've got now at least a, a relatively stable schedule, but most guys don't. Uh, yeah. And how do you go out and seek out those people? And then, it comes to ego and that willingness to hear and, and willingness to fail again, which I think is just such a crucial skill in life is just the well, willingness to fail. People don't even know what the fuck they want anymore. So how do you, okay. So if a friend of yours has that question, like how do you, how do you crystallize? How do you help them crystallize that as their friend? Well, what do you want? What do you want in life? Yeah. What you, where, where, where are you going? What are you training for? What are you doing? Like, like, you know what I mean? Like, you can't look and you know this. I mean, you, you, you mean as, as a, as, as a police officer, you have dealt with 
you can see that there are some people in life that just do not want better. And there's nothing. Oh, you yeah. Can do, right. I oh, mean, yeah. That, that, that is, that's in people. Mm-hmm. Um, but what do you want? Like, do you want to be fucking better? Like, you don't have to necessarily know that I want to go, you know, I've got this goal, this goal, or this goal. But like, if you're not always grabbing for something or training for something, then what, what are you doing? Like, it's like getting on an airplane with no destination. Right. You so, know, and yeah, yeah, and go so ahead. like that, that's where I start with is, 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 yeah, your goals can change, but write down what, write down what you want to be right down. When you look in the mirror, what do you want to see? Right. And then, so that's the first piece. Mm-hmm. Then the second piece is, is the honesty piece. That's where you gotta get real with yourself. And that's where it hurts. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where not talking about, well, what you can do, but fucking doing it right. Like how many times do you see guys and I've, I'm not going to bust any names out right now, but like, I see this, I'm in a culture of this right now and I'm, I'm struggling with it. I'm, I'm, I'm going through it, dealing with it. Not me, but like some guys I'm around always talking about, well, we could do this or we could do this. Well, fuck, let's train for it. Let's go see if we could do it. When's the last time you done it? And I'm sure you see that, right? Like, oh, yeah. like, oh yeah. I mean, yeah, that dude ain't going to run for me. When's the last time you ran with all your gear on and you, you've, you've gone on? How do you know? When's the last time you've rolled with all your gear on? When's the last time you have, have had like trained a guy turning on you with all your gear on and you've got on the ground and rolled? I mean, when's the last time you've looked at what the response time is for the second? If you had to call for backup, what is the average response time for the second unit showing up on scene? Like, what is it? Four or five minutes, right? Have you tried to roll with all your gear on, on a hot pavement somewhere and seen if you could not necessarily apprehend the person, but seen if you could last for five minutes? When's the last time you've done that, right? You might think you can, and you might have that false confidence, but when's the last time you've done it? Yeah. And that's the, that's the mentality. That's something that's, I think, so important in goal setting is you can, you can write out what you want to do or where you want to go, but if you don't know where, you're, where you are, you know, where you're starting from, then it's just like you say, getting on a plane without any destination. It's like getting on a plane that you don't know where it's leaving from. How do you get where you're going if you don't know where you are? And I think a lot of guys easily understand the, the, the physical ideas of those things, but also there's a huge component of like a mental and emotional uh, awareness yeah. of your current state too. What are the things... What are the things you do? And this is something I just only learned within the last year or so to really adopt into my kind of day-to-day thinking. But are there things you use to check in for the, the mental and emotional uh, aspect of where you're at? Yeah, I mean, you know, emotionally, I, can, I keep a pretty good peg on it, right? Like, I can feel the emotion sides. Like, look, I, I'm a, I, I know it sounds crazy, but like, I'm an empath, right? Like, I I can, I can look at somebody, I can almost, I can walk up and look at somebody and see suffering. Like I can Mm -hmm. tell something's off. Like I can tell, I I can, I'm just, I'm a really, that's one thing that I've been gifted with is, is being able to, to be able to connect with people. Right. Um, And I love it. I love, I love connecting with people, but I also understand, like, I can feel when that's starting to uh, drag me down. Right. So then I got to do a little disconnect. Right. Not a big deal. Um, It's something that just, I've learned through doing it over and over. Um, the mental piece of it, I incorporate that in my training. Um, and in all of our training, I call it going to the dark place, you know, once or twice a week, 
you know, it's got to be something to where, you know, you're, 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 you're fighting your fucking mind uh, in every aspect. Right. And uh, it doesn't have to be like trying to kill yourself, but it's got to be like maybe long monotonous shit that you hate. And the more you do that, the more you're training your mind, like, like I, I do little shit, like, like, let's just talk about this. Like I, I, like I, we'll just talk about this. I did a consumption drill the other day and, uh, and consumption drills where basically you, you put on, you know, all your SCBA, all your gear, it's fucking hot in Texas right now. Um, and then you have to go through an entire bottle and you've got to do all these different, you know, these different, um, drills, you know, whether it's charging a line and, and, you know, advancing a, a hose line, lifting ladders, all this shit, right? Like all this stuff that you would do on a fire ground under, under stress with your SCBA mask on. The one thing I would do with that is, is when I was done, I wouldn't just drop my gear because that's what you want to do, right? Like that's what you want to do. Just drop shit, like get it off. Like I'm tired. Like your mind says, Hey, it's okay. But guess what? I'm not, I would force myself just little stuff, not to drop any tool after that evolution, set it down. I want to take care of my tools and I want to fuck with my mind. I didn't want to, I didn't want to let my mind, I wanted to show my mind that I'm in control of it. It's not in control of me. So little things like that are what make the big difference in the long run. I think that's, that's a great way to train yourself into an attitude, right? Like I have something similar when I'm, you know, doing a lot or doing something like that is not, I don't allow myself to, to kneel or to lay down. Mm-hmm. Right. And as much as you want to lay down after a hard while, you're like, no, I'm going to stand here Yeah, and uh, it's going to hurt. But I, but laying down is sort of a, you're sort of preconditioning yourself to that response. And so when you go out on a fire ground or on a real fire and you're dropping tools and, you know, sloppy discipline, it's going to, it, it pays off in how we, it, it, we, it, it does. And you know, a lot of people think, and this is, this is a hundred percent wrong. They think that, Hey, yeah, you know, like I, I couldn't get through it right now in training, but I, you know, look, my adrenaline will be up and I'll be able to get <laughs> right. through it in, on the, you know, when, when the shit hits a fan Yeah, and it's exact opposite. You might be able to do 50% of what you're, you do in training when it comes to the actual day, because that day, you could, it could be one o'clock in the morning after you've had a hard day of working or whatever. You could have had a hard workout. It's going to be not planned. It's not going to be regulated. You might not be hydrated. It might be a day that you're sick. And then on top of it, you've also got a drilling and going through your body and it's going to use up all that energy. Right. Mm-hmm. And so there's all these factors that aren't, you're not prepared for it. So you're going to be, you know, whatever you can do in training, you're going to be able to do about 50 at 75% tops whenever the shit actually hits the fan. So always remembering that mindset, right? I had that very real world experience for me, you know, um, realizing that you're never gonna, you're never gonna perform on game day like you do in training. And like we said, the the other side has an equal say in the, how things go, but just a, a real quick story, just to prove the point, but you get a call of an active shooter at a casino uh, I'm, th- I'm third on scene. So the three of us are going into this parking garage convinced that we're going to engage this suspect who, who had already shot somebody. And as we're just 
we're not even confronting the suspect, right? But we have to go three flights of stairs, adrenaline's going. And by the time I'm able to like present my weapon downrange and where we think the target's coming from, my sights and my arms and I'm breathing heavy and it's all over the place, right? And it was such a huge eye opener to me to realize that you will never, ever be as good on the field as you are at the range. It's never. Just, it'll never happen. And it makes no sense. It makes no sense whether you're a concealed weapon carrier, whether you are, you know, Joe Schmo who just, you know, is going to be home defense mm -hmm. or whether you're, you know, a, a high speed cop. Um, it makes no sense outside of maybe your, your, you know, your, your yearly or whatever it is, um, research for your, 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 your shooting mm -hmm. outside that it makes no sense for you to be shooting the weapon, uh, without doing stress drills with it. Mm -hmm. And even then you, you, you get closer, you get closer to approximate that, but that, that adrenaline, cause even on the range with stress and I do, if I do kettlebell swings or pushups or you run up stairs first, all of those still fall back on the fact that if I throw a shot, my buddies are going to give me crap and I can shrug it off and do it again. Yeah. But when you add that adrenaline of a real world scenario, like there is nothing to that, that you can, I, I've never found a way to equate that. No, but no, but if you get used to being able to deal with pressure situations, tired, all that, right. Heart rate up. You're right. You're never going to be able to, to re replicate that. But the more times that your mind's seen it, the more reps you got, the closer you get closer you got. Right, right, right. Um, you know, you touched on it just now and I, and I wanted to bring this up too. You talk about transition. We're all kind of talking here about accepting your reality, the transitions that we go through, acknowledging where we are, where we want to go. And one of the things is best you're in the fire Academy yeah. and, yeah. uh, presumably to be a fireman out of, is it volunteer or full-time or is this a just, new part I just, of your, I just, I, I just graduated. Congratulations. Um, thank you. And then, um, I actually, uh, I, I can't say where I, cause I, I want, obviously I want to keep the, the yeah. department, you know, uh, but I actually start my first shift tomorrow in the morning, 7am. Congratulations. 48 hours, 48 hours on 96 off. Uh, this will make it also, then you are now officially the first fireman on the show. So it wasn't there. Yeah. There you go. That's pretty yeah, cool too. So there you go. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I volunteer. I mean, actually, I, um, let's see about two hours ago, I just came off of a two, uh, uh, two, two vehicle crash. Uh, just, I just worked a, a crash, you know, two hours ago. Um, so here I am back. Uh, you know, and if I get a call again, my, you know, I'll, I'll go, I volunteer for, uh, you know, in my community. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, you know, I'm also, I'm also going down there and I'm, I'm working for a, uh, a station. Is that why you had to push, why we had to push the interview back a little bit? You were working a crash? No, I, but it's, we're lucky we did because I, I got toned out when, when it would have been. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like we got lucky, man. Like it, it came right out and I got down there and I was like, all I could think about is like, man, I hope he just moved his schedule for me. And I was like, <laughs> man, I hope, I hope it's not an extrication because I got to get back for this podcast. <laughs> Yeah. That, would, that would be the best excuse though that I've gotten for why we had to reschedule something. That, that would be, was, that that would was be epic. I, well, you, if you listen to my crispy show, you can hear at the end of it, my pager go off and I'm like, bro, I gotta go. See ya. <laughs> well, um, you know, it's, I'm curious about the idea to move into, to, to 
fire service, you know, and it yeah. seems like it's just another step for you in a life of service. Yeah. And so obviously, I mean, you have, you have on the dash, which I think is just a fantastic message and um, something to bring out in the world. And you're an entrepreneur with, you know, flip side canvas and all these things, but, but you're coming back to service again. And so what is it about, was something missing in your life that you pursued that service or was it, you just wanted yeah. to continue something or, cause I think a lot of people don't understand it. Right. And you said you're an empath. And I think people who are empaths like myself also are drawn towards service and that's where we yeah. find our purpose. Um, I'm just curious what led you to this chapter in your life. Man, I, I, uh, I mean, same thing while you're doing a podcast. I mean, look, I mean, uh, look, I, obviously some people get in and whether it's, look, we're, we're all the same. I, I'll tell you right now, I, I look at military, uh, police, fire, all of us, we're all the same. We're all, we're, we're all servants, period. Um, you know, we're, we're just like this, like the military is, is America's away team and you guys are America's home team, period. Like that's, it's really that simple, you know? Um, so it's, 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 uh, for me, you know, you know how you get some people on the job that, you know, they, it's a job to them, right? Like they're there because the benefits, you know, everybody's there for their own reason. Mm -hmm. um, but you also know the ones who are good, who are there for the right reason, right? And, and they're, they're, they stay there for the career and they, they stay there and they help people. And, you know, they're, they're, they're known for, 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 for really making a difference, right? Um, and I, I think, I think that, look, we're, we're, I, I know this sounds cliche, but I, I think we're chosen, right? Like, I don't, I can't say that, I mean, I'd say even you, like, you can't say that, gosh, you don't leave some calls and you're like, why do I do this? Why do, like, I don't need this. Um, but if you ever notice that anytime you do something that's not, and, and this is how you can figure out if you're one of these people. If, if you start getting off the path and you start doing something that's not giving back and helping, it's a dead end road. And I feel like there's some of us that are just, just that, that, you know, depending on what you believe in, whatever, right? Like, uh, you know, look, I'm, I'm a Christian and, and I believe that God put us on earth to, 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 to do God's work. And that's, that's what, that, that's what, that's what these roles are. And, um, you know, I, I don't think that, that service selects, I don't think we select service. I think service selects us. And I think that that's, that's where it's at. And, um, so for me, I, I got into it because did I have a void? Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I, and I just felt like I could do more. I feel like I owed, I owe this community and this, this nation and, and, and the people that I'm around, I, I, I have more to give and I owe them more. And that's what's fulfilling to me, right? So, like, it's honestly, I'm I'm doing this because I'm selfish. Because I, I really, I get a lot out of being able to, to show up and 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 help and and to be able to go and learn these tools and to be able to train and to be able to train to, to come in and 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 truly make an impact on someone's life, and and make it a little bit better, right? Like. Like, you know, we all grew up watching, watching superheroes. I mean, there's not, there's no kid in the world that at some point in life 
didn't look up to some type of superhero, right? I mean, you all go through it, you know? And, and if you look at all these kids shows, right, you got Teen Titans Go, or you got Paw Patrol. I mean, you got, you know, you, you've got, um, you know, all of them, all of them have some type of servant doing good for the others, you know, all, all the way down to puppy dog pals, right? They're always out trying to fix something for Bob, right? Like you go to all these. And so I think that, that like, until you get older and for something that's happened in your life, you, you have this, you change on people, but all of us start where we want to serve and something happens to us. And I, you know, for me, I just, I enjoy coming in and, and being able to, you know, like there's nothing that's more fulfilling than, than seeing someone feel better that now that, that you've shown up here and we're really no different than them. We just, we have a, a, a shirt on or a badge on that people trust. And with that, we have an obligation. And this is why I, I, I get upset. This, this is the part where I get upset with people who wear the badge or people who you can go down to wear the volunteer shirt, right? Doesn't matter. Um, is that if you're going to wear that, you have to live up to it. You have to live up to that. Think about this. When you as a police officer or me as a firefighter or whatever, you know, let me ask you this. If a stranger came to your house today, a stranger just off the street, knocked on your door the middle of the night and said, Hey, I'm going to walk in your house. I'm going to walk through your house. You're built your kids. I'm going to walk past your kid's bedroom. I'm going to go back there. Uh, I'm going to walk in and I'm going to go back in your bedroom to where your wife is sick, probably half dressed, right? Sick, you know, cause she was sleeping. Would you let them do that? A stranger? No, but because you have a badge and a uniform on and because I have a shirt on that says that I'm a volunteer or I'm with a service, you let me do that. Yeah. So we have an obligation to live up to the person and be that person 24 seven that you would let do that in your house. Mm, that's a really great way of, really putting a very clear mental picture on it, you know, and, and, and contrasting the, the huge difference there between a stranger on the street and a stranger in uniform, you know? So with that and, and with that need to uphold the trust and the badge and the oath, there are going back to where we started on, there are a lot of cops, like you said, 99.999% of cops out there that want to do that. They want yeah. to uphold the badge. They want to go to work and do good work. They're there for all the right reasons. They don't want to be hurting people just mm -hmm. to hurt people, et cetera, et cetera. Right. And so many of my friends right now who are listening to this are probably coming home from a skirmish line where they had bottles and bricks thrown at them, yeah. where they had Molotov cocktails thrown at them, where they got where they were wearing a gas mask for 12 hours because they were surrounded by tear gas, right? We are in such a moment right now where the idea of being a police officer can be, is just by itself, the idea is hard. 
Yeah. So I would love to give you the platform to, to speak to those people that are struggling to find the, the motivation, the will, the desire to move forward in service. Yeah. You know, if you, yeah. if you, if you could speak to every police officer in the, in the country, uh, through one podcast, you know, or one, one moment, what would, what would you tell them right now? If they sat in front of you and said, Dakota, I'm struggling. Yeah. Well, first off, I'd tell you, I love you guys. Um, you guys are, are the best. I mean, that's the reason that our country's free. Um, I would tell you to always remember this is that, um, even though that a lot of people are saying they don't like you, even though they, they're saying all this, you should believe them when they stop calling you. Um, understand that any scene that you show up on, someone chose you to come there. Someone chose you to come there. Uh, and, and so don't forget that. Like I hear all this, you know, but you also hear a bunch of children. You hear a bunch of, they might just children in adult bodies saying this stuff. Um, and so, so, so always consider the source, consider the source of, of what you're listening to. And I would tell you to, to, to first off, start, start, start living life like this to, to, to dissect this information that's coming out and this perception of how we look at our police officers. If you wouldn't take advice on how to live your life from these sources, then don't take the criticism. So, so let's just, just, just use that as a general rule, right? Um, the same people who are throwing bricks at you and stuff is, is equivalent and about as probably about as the ratio of those who don't like you is probably about equivalent out of the nation, right? The, the, the 0.00001% who say they don't like you or against you or whatever it is, they are, uh, the ratio is about equivalent to how many bad cops are representing the good cops. You know what I mean? It's equal. Um, so it's going to be okay. We're, we're going to get through this. We need you. We appreciate you. Um, and I would just, I would say like, I, you're, you're justified to struggle. Um, and, and you're going to do more winning right now by talking, communicating, by showing empathy than you are ever fighting. And I would start now by, by policing my ranks, right? The policing of, cause here's what we don't need. And, and I, I think, I think what's happening right now is, is, is because there's bad leadership. Uh, you know, when, when you start letting the politicians write, the same thing, this is nothing but a trickle effect. And I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to give you this, 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 to show you how this correlates. I mean, we've been losing wars since Vietnam and why? Because the politicians started telling the militaries how to fight wars, putting rules of engagement in, telling us how, what we can do, what we can't do from their, their seats over here, right? From their seats, not, not walking the trenches with us, Putting, putting policies in that we should follow for every, every situation instead of training us and trusting us to do our job. They've said, hey, 
we can do your job for you better than you with a piece of paper and you need to follow the piece of paper. And how many people have gotten killed over that? Right. Same reason why the Iraq and Afghanistan war has drug on for fucking ever and will go on forever because we've got politicians and we've got generals who are trying to tell us how to run it, but they're not in the fucking trenches with us. Does that sound familiar for you guys? <laughs> yeah, I think that'll ring true to most, any, most anybody. Uh-oh. There's that page. Let me see what it is. <laughs> I got a wreck. Uh, thank you, buddy. Good to see you. All right, if you like what you heard from Dakota before he had to run out the door and uh, you want to share some of this information with somebody and you think that somebody's going to get, you know, could get value out of this episode, please consider sharing it. You can go straight from our website, thesquadroom.net, and share it directly from there to a friend. You can direct them to the links uh, there on our, on, our, on our show page. And I just really love what he has to say about resilience and self-reliance and self-awareness. And to me, it always relates back to badges. The idea of our beliefs, actions, discipline, goals, emotions, and service. And Dakota encompasses so many of those things. And how your beliefs and actions need to be in alignment. And how Dakota has at times struggled to put those things into alignment. But is, is these days so very much in his, in, in his, he's in his own alignment. It is amazing. And the discipline that he uses to get there. And the goals that he creates to keep moving forward and to honor his teammates and to use their sacrifice to do something better. And then controlling the emotions and acknowledging them and getting a hold of them. And then pushing yourself deeper to understand them better. And then, of course, service coming uh, just out of the fire academy and starting his first shift with a full fi- full-time fire department here in just the next couple of days. I just think... I just think he's a, he's a, he's a great he's a great example of what badges can do for people. So, if you want to support the uh, the show, there's a couple ways to do that. Like I said before, if you feel like this conversation was a value to you and you think someone else would get it, please leave a comment or a review on the podcast player of your choice. Share the episode with someone you know, love, or care about, and let us know and let them know about the show. Join our Facebook group and follow me on Instagram at the Squad Room. And a special thanks to our sponsor for today's episode, Signature Coins. If you're looking for that challenge coin for your agency or specialty unit, check them out at SignatureCoins.com. And make sure you use that coupon code, the Room, for $50 off. We also have uh, some great information and some deals from Ranger Up, Hardhead Veterans. If you're looking for the best-fitting ballistic helmet that exceeds NIJ standards and won't break your bank, check out HardheadVeterans.com. And use the coupon code SQUADROOM to get $20 off your helmet. I carry a Hardhead Veterans uh, helmet in my go bag. And it is so much more comfortable than the one that I was issued. And it's modern. And it fits. And I love it. And I know that a lot of my partners have purchased them too. And they all love it. So HardheadVeterans.com. And to keep up to date, uh, make sure you join our mailing list. And uh, you can do that at thesquadron.net. Until next time... Take care of each other and stay safe.